Strategic Living with Brian Holmes, episode number 75, a wonderful conversation with my great friend, Dan Miller. Welcome, everyone, to the program today. Of course, you have found the Strategic Living Podcast, where we are all about transforming minds, developing leaders, awakening your dreams, activating destinies, helping you find your lane, and hopefully equipping you on some level to run in it and run well. My name is Brian Holmes. I'm your host. It's great to have you with us. It's going to be an awesome program today. I am delighted and honored to have my dear friend and colleague Dan Miller back on the program. He has recently released 48 Days to the Work You Love, 10-Year Anniversary Edition, and we're going to talk about it. Let's get started, everybody. Well, of course, it's wonderful to have you with us today on episode number 75, and I'm always excited to have Dan Miller on the program with me. Dan is the author of the New York Times best-selling book, 48 Days to the Work You Love. He's written other great works, No More Dreaded Mondays. More recently, Wisdom Meets Passion. Today, we're going to be visiting this wonderful new release of his. It's the 10-year expanded revised edition of 48 Days to the Work You Love. And what an inspiration it's been to just watch this develop over the last year. And Dan's been sharing with a group of us his progress in bringing this 10-year anniversary edition to to fruition. So I met Dan originally back in May of 2012, and right away I began reading his books and following his blogs, his podcast, which is phenomenal, by the way, the 48 Days Podcast. My Lord, you need to listen to that. And I've been participating in his 48days.net community for a couple of years now. The last 12 months, I've been privileged to be a part of Dan's mastermind group, and we meet in Franklin, Tennessee several times a year, and then we meet monthly online and have other events and activities that we do together. I think most importantly for me, Dan has been a real mentor and friend in my personal process of transitioning into this focus that God has us really lasered in on right now, and he's just been a wealth of advice and counsel and just such a strategic mind. You know, last week I shared with you the process of discovering and running in your lane, finding your sweet spot. And I can think of no better person to pick up where we left off last week with than with Dan Miller. Dan's mission literally is to foster the process of imagining, uh, to foster the the process of dreaming, and to help people to look inside of themselves and find their calling, find their true path, and translate that into meaningful purposeful, and very profitable daily work. And he does that all under the auspices of 48 days. So let's go right now to my interview with Dan Miller. Dan, I'm so honored to have you back on the program today, man. Thanks for taking the time. 
Oh, absolutely. My pleasure. Looking forward to it, Brian. Well, there's been a lot happening, I think, since the last time you and I spoke on the program. Tell us a little bit about what's happening at 48 Days. You know, there's a whole lot of things happening. I had a good friend, actually, Dave Ramsey asked me recently if I was thinking about slowing down anytime soon, and I laughed. I said, it sure doesn't look like it's going to be this year. I have more things in my plate beginning a year than I think I ever have in my life. But just exciting things. I continue to have opportunities just to share hope and encouragement with people. So got a, the 10th anniversary edition of 48 Days. It just came out, and along with that is coming totally new seminar materials, workbook, leader's guide, and videos. Uh, so that's new. I've got some other new initiatives along with that. One of, the, one of the big things, and I'll just throw this out. I won't take all your time, but I wanted to just throw out one of the big things we're looking at is getting that course approved for college credit. Oh, where wow. anybody, anywhere in the world could take it and have it transfer then as credit to whatever university they're going to. That, that'd be a major deal. We're working on that. It looks like that's going to be possible, but I'm so excited about that because I'm so excited about getting that message into the college walls that you better have marketable skills, not just head knowledge. And we want to help people have marketable skills so people see them as valuable members of their organizations when they come out. Absolutely. You know, uh, you know that I have a 20-year-old son, and so the, the things that I've been learning from you, and especially in the context of 48 Days to the Work You Love, the last two or three years has just been profound and I've been able to pass so much of that on to him. And, and, uh, I, I tell you what, this college age bracket is so critical, I think, to the future, frankly, of our nation and, uh, to, to get these precious hearts with so much potential to be thinking in terms of purpose, value, what they can bring to the marketplace, not necessarily in an old fashioned sense, but really, uh, in connecting with the work that they love. Talk to us about the need for that. I know that in your new books, as a matter of fact, which we'll get to in a moment, uh, you, you have a whole chapter about this education thing. But tell us what you're seeing with that age bracket right now. You know, there's been a lot of uh, misconception about what college is going to do. I mean, we've seen this historically where people thought, if I just get that degree, no matter what, if I just get that degree, then fame and fortune are going to be opened up to me. Well, that's not true. And we're seeing a lot of very discouraged, disheartened uh, kids who have a college degree and find that uh, companies don't value what they bring to the table. And rightfully so. I mean, it's nobody's fault. It just is the way it is. But it used to be that, you know, education meant that you had access to knowledge that nobody else did. So you'd have knowledge on a particular subject. Well, Brian, you know that that no longer is an issue. You can grab your, your iPhone and ask Siri what the capital of... Uh, Kazakhstan is and and get it instantly. You, you don't need to have that stored in your head. So the value that we need to bring to the marketplace is not just a head full of knowledge, but it's it's knowing how to solve problems, how to think creatively, yeah. you know, how to provide solutions, how to get people to work together as teams. So it's it's a new set of skills that goes beyond just accumulating knowledge. You know, when I watch these programs like Who Wants to Be a Millionaire or Jeopardy or something like that, I think, oh, my gosh, how sad to cram your head full of that insignificant information that you can access instantly with any kind of a device. Why would you fill your brain with that as opposed to other things that can really lead you into some new paths? Absolutely. Well, you just recently released the 10-year anniversary of 48 Days to the Work You Love. Tell us about that book release. I was excited 
you know, when my publisher approached me about that, I knew the timeline was approaching. It seems to have gone by so quickly, but 10 years since the book was first, first published in its hardback version, which I was selling it before that, a three-ring version, so it go, goes back even farther than that. But I did a light update in 2010, and now it's 2015, so we did a 10th anniversary edition. Now, according to publishing guidelines, there has to be 30% new content to call it a new book. Once I got in, I realized it was going to be a lot more than that. It's actually about 60% new. I mean, the workplace has changed. I've changed. Um, I can bring more to the table. But I, it was a delightful process to go through and eliminate some things that just dealt with how we view work historically and go right to the heart of the matter. What are the issues that people really want to know about this thing that we invest so much of our time in? So it was a delightful process working again with my publisher to get that ready to go. And we unveiled it January 1st, so just kind of fresh out of the gate here, but having a lot of fun with that. You mentioned changes in the marketplace over those 10 years. What, what are some of the top changes that you've seen, the most significant ones that you feel like are most relevant to where we are today? Well, we've heard a lot about outsourcing, and we hear about that a lot. But in many ways, you know, companies that experimented with that have been disappointed. So there are a lot of things that are coming back into our shores here, if we if you happen to live in the United States of America. So a lot of even manufacturing is coming back here. So it's not that just none of the old jobs exist anymore, but again, companies are expecting more than just having one set of skills. They know they hire the whole person. So we're seeing a swing to more behavioral interviewing where they want somebody to come in and they may have them come in and go to breakfast or go to lunch or they may say, hey, you know, it's almost lunchtime. Let's go to lunch. Why don't you drive my cars way out in the parking lot? Let's take your car. Well, that allows the person to see how a person takes care of their car. Are there wrappers all over the place? You know, it tells a lot about a person. And so companies are, are wanting to move toward understanding the whole person rather than just a defined set of skills. And so we want to prepare people for that kind of introduction to the workplace, that kind of inclusion and recognizing what companies are looking for. You uh, you wrote a couple of new chapters. Of course, you, you mentioned 60% new content, which to me is just mind-blowing that there's that much new content in uh, the same title. But you, you have a couple of new chapters that you really have mentioned, I've heard you mention, that you're most proud of and that you feel like have the most significance in this 10th anniversary edition. Tell us about those. Sure, and I'll tell you a little bit about the process of having so much new content. Because the book has been out there for a significant period of time, and I have, um, I'm fortunate to have a lot of listeners and readers, so I mentioned just in one blog post that I was going to be updating 48 Days, and I asked people, what do you think I ought to include? Well, <laughs> keep in mind, a book is 72,000 words. That's, That's Pandora's it. box right there. <laughs> I had over 165,000 words of content. Oh, submitted. my gosh. Human resource directors, CEOs, people who are in the job search themselves, people who have lost their jobs. I mean, the, the content that was submitted was just amazing. I ought to write, you know, have three other books just to position the content. But I used that content. But what that meant is that anything that went in meant something had to come out. So a couple of the chapters that are no longer there, chapter two, I used to talk about the history of work, how we viewed work, even from a biblical perspective, and how we viewed work and frame that as part of what we did. Well, that's all gone. All that is gone. Now, chapter two goes right into who would hire me. 
Hmm. What is it that makes somebody a top candidate? So I went right into that. Chapter three, brand new chapter. Yes, I do have an education. And education is quotation marks because we realize that a valuable education today can come in many ways. Mm-hmm. One of those may be sitting in a classroom. But there's a whole lot of ways that we can add to our education that may not have anything to do with sitting in a classroom. Those are things that really do make you a viable candidate nonetheless. Talking there about my own son, Kevin, my oldest son, who, when he was 17, went to Fort Collins, Colorado and started training with the U.S. Olympic team, the bicycle racing team. Well, he then went on to Holland. He lived in Holland a couple years, raced on the Dutch national team, traveled around Europe as a professional biking member. And and people would ask me, knowing that I have a lot of connection in the academic community, they'd ask me, you know, aren't you concerned that Kevin's not in college? You know, here he is, you know, 18, 19, 20, 20, not in college. And I, I would say, well, he may choose to go to college at some point, but right now he's too busy getting an education. <laughs> wow. That way. I mean, how could you compare traveling around the world internationally, yes. meeting people in other cultures, other faiths, and all of that? How could you compare that to sitting in a classroom and regurgitating what's in a textbook? I mean, to me, that broadens an education that doesn't diminish it. In my own path, no, I've you know, got plenty of degrees and, and value the academic environment. But the things that are really most valuable came to me from, you know, experimenting in business and relating to other people and going through the Dale Carnegie program to know how to speak and present well. I mean, a lot of those things added to the education that I consider valuable today, in addition to just having degrees that I hang on my wall. That's amazing. The The idea of education has changed so much because, of course, with the advent of the Internet and then so many online courses, uh, Google, I mean, you know, uh, and then, of course, really you can't replace experience either, life experience, just general experience that I think employers now are looking for more than they are a paper, a piece of paper on the wall in a frame. Uh, tell me about this, Dan, as you are coaching high potential individuals, and, and I speak to a lot of those same uh, groups of people. What are some of the the hangups that you're seeing uh, as it relates to 48 Days to the Work You Love and the, and the context of that? But what are the, some of the hangups you're seeing as to these folks really finding their lane, really getting engaged in something they're passionate about, that they're purposeful about, that is aligned with the way they're wired? What are What are the challenges that these folks are facing in really getting in that lane and running in it? Yeah, great question. And believe me, there are challenges. I mean, I, I have uh, been fortunate to uh, be a coach for many years, and I've done uh, very well coaching people who at 45 or 50 wake up saying, man, I'm living somebody else's dream, not my own. Well, how did that happen? Well, a lot of times there are just subtle expectations of others. Maybe a teacher or a pastor or a parent who says, you know, well, you ought to be an attorney. And so they go down that path just simply because they have the ability to do that. And that's a lot of where people get off track. They pursue something simply because they have the ability to do that. So I see a lot of attorneys, physicians, dentists, pastors who have proven their ability to do what they're doing, but hate the life that they've created because having the ability is not enough. I mean, we see people that go through and end up with a JD or an MD or a DDS behind their name simply because they had academic ability, even though they're positioning themselves for work, daily work, that is not a good fit for them. 
We have to go beyond just academic ability. We have to look at personality tendency. How do you relate to other people? What kind of environments are you most comfortable in? Then we look at what I call values, dreams, and passions. What are those things that you're drawn to? Where money is not even part of the equation, but you're just naturally drawn to it. Things that when you're involved in them, time just flies by. I mean, that, those are the kind of things we want to integrate. And so a lot of people have gone through school just because they had the ability to keep going. And, you know, that's one of those funny things. And now it's socially accepted to be in school. If you're unemployed, you know, that can be kind of a question mark for people. Mm-hmm. But if you're in school, I mean, who's going to fault that? So a lot of people, in, when they find it challenging to really find their place in the workplace, they just go back to school. I mean, who's going to fault them there? So they go another four years, have another $100,000 in student loan debt, and they're in worse shape. They're the same person where they should have po- focused on, why are people not wanting me on their team? Mm-hmm. So what I do with people is simply look at the simple kind of things that make somebody want you on their team. I had a gentleman who had been with the same company for 23 years and then lost his position, you know, through no fault of his own merger acquisition occurred. He lost his position 14 months and he never had a job offer of any kind. He was devastated. His credentials were impeccable and he and his wife drove over a couple States away, drove over to see me. We sat down and about six minutes into our conversation, I said, I know why you're not getting a job. I said, every time I start to make a point, you sit up straighter, raise your voice and overwhelm me and take control of the situation. I said, how do you think that comes across to the 23-year-old human resource director when she's considering hiring you? They don't want you on their team. His wife is sitting there nodding her head, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. He's like, oh, my gosh. He said, why has nobody ever told me that? I said, because you're very successful. Nobody confronts you with the truth. Everybody pats you on the back, even when you you have bad breath and your shoes aren't shined. I mean, those are the kind of things that often happen that keep somebody from recognizing the habits that they've gotten into that are now working against them. And so one of my opportunities is, is to help people see, you know, not to be mean or brutal, but to help them see things that they aren't seeing. And that comes to even in working with, say, an attorney where we're looking at, What are options for you? Well, they tend to, it's the old, when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail, Brian. You know, that they see things in one way. They see things very narrowly. In in some ways, I mean, we expect that advanced degrees broaden our horizons, broaden our options. But in many ways, it does exactly the opposite. It helps people see fewer and fewer and fewer choices for themselves. So when I'm working with a physician or an attorney, and we talk about having a shaved ice, you know, stand down here on 2nd Avenue and Nashville, you know, they're going to think, what are you talking about? When I start to stretch their thinking about what the possibilities are, it's like, wow, we can open their eyes to ways that they can position themselves, not negating the value of the education they have. We embrace that, but help them to stretch what they see as possibilities. And it really opens the door. You know, one of the most powerful things about the book and about the process that you've developed over these years is that it really is a sequential, systematic process that you lead people through in the book. It's not just a good read, and it's a phenomenal read. Uh, but the there is a 48-day process that you actually walk the reader through to the work they love. Can you give me just an overview of what that process feels like and looks like to the reader? Sure. 
And we have a very specific, yeah, every day. What do you do for 48 days? And a lot of that has to do with introspection, recognizing things about yourself that we often bypass too quickly. We move too quickly to who's hiring, where's there an opportunity, and we get involved in that, and all of a sudden, 20 years has passed. 85% of the process of having the confidence of proper direction in our career comes from looking inward first. So the first part of those 48 steps is going to be to look inward. What are your unique skills and abilities? How do you relate to other people? What do other people say about you? As we get clear on those things, then we can start to create a focus, but only then. Then when we start to create a focus, then sure, let's put together a resume or a curriculum vitae that, that describes you in a way that you want to position yourself. doesn't have to just be a chronological snapshot of what you've done. We can redirect dramatically. If we position you properly with that resume, which is a sales brochure, to help you make that redirection. But I go through other things in there. I mean, we recognize that not everybody who's in transition or who is frustrated with their current position even wants another J-O-B. Yes. We have a lot of people. That, that's why the, the title of the book is not 48 Days to the Job You Love. It's 48 Days to the Work You Love because that may be something that you create rather than just find in a position. It's never been easier to create something on your own. I mean, to position yourself as a free agent and to create something that's meaningful, purposeful, and profitable. Those are the kind of things that I walk people through. I mean, all the way up to day 47, this is pretty interesting. You'll appreciate this. Day 47 in those 48 steps is take a millionaire to lunch. I have wow. more people get stuck on that than any other point. And they're like, well, how could I ever do that? You know, no millionaire is going to talk to me. I said, you would be surprised if you look around carefully, one, in identifying those people who are millionaires. They may not live in a 10,000-square-foot house and have two matching Lexus in the driveway. It may surprise you who is actually a millionaire. And secondly, you would be amazed at how willing they are to share their advice with you mm. if you ask properly. And, but people get stuck on that. Now, what they think you know, and this is, I, I, I really cringe at these kind of myths that are out there. People think, well, people who are, who are wealthy, you know, they're stingy and they abuse other people and take advantage. That is so not true. The people who are stingy, who think about money all the time and who are, are greedy tend to be those people who don't have money. People yeah. who have money, I find, hold it with an open hand and been extremely gracious. But that's one of those one of those points, you know, to help people experience life in ways they perhaps haven't. Now, there's not, you know, challenging things. You can walk through the 48 days, and if you skip that one or any of the ones, it's not going to inhibit your progress. But it's one of those things that I do encourage people to do. Get the perspective of somebody who is already successful. One of the key hallmark characteristics of people who end up successful is that they spend time with people who are already performing at the level at which they want to perform. Yeah. So find people who are doing what you want to do. That's the best and quickest path to duplicating their success. I'm amazed how, and you know that I've worked with people for many, many years in my line of work, and I'm amazed that we tend to be instant gratification oriented and not so much process oriented, yet the juxtaposition that you're describing here is four, six, eight, ten, twelve years of education, quote unquote, uh, that may or may not lead to a better, satisfying life. 
and really plugging into a process that in 48 days you can actually discover who you really are and have worked through uh, defining where you want to go with your life and what you want to do with this work in your life. And uh, speak to that for a moment. You know, as you are working with people, do you find people are a little pushback on engaging in and committing to a process? Well, they are, but if, if they're going to work with me, that's what we're going to do. Absolutely, yeah. The 48 days comes from my frustration years ago in working with people who were clearly dissatisfied with where they were, frustrated, discouraged, resentful, and we'd map out a plan for them to walk into work that was meaningful and profitable. And then I run into them two years later and they hadn't done anything because, you know, we're just waiting until the kids get out of school. I'm just oh, waiting boy. until I get this next degree. I'm waiting until, you know, we pay off our house. You know, the, the, wait until all the lights are green before I leave. Well, those are the kind of things that all of a sudden our whole life passes by. And I thought there's got to be a time frame here where it's not just when it suits, but it really is a sequential, timely process. And so... We made it 48 days, and it was like magic when that happened because people were immediately asking, you really mean I really can change my life in 48 days? And my response has always been, yes, you can, if you create a plan and act on it. But, Brian, I mean, you know how, how destructive it is for people to be caught in indecision. Mm -hmm. I mean, you'll see people who are thinking about what kind of car to buy or where to send their child to college or where to go to church or what house to buy. And that indecision, as the Bible tells us clearly, creeps over into other areas of our lives and cripples us in so many ways. I see people who are caught in that. Years have gone by. I mean, I, I worked with a gentleman not too long ago who had taken a job at a bank, just, you know, customer relations, teller position. He knew it was just a, a temporary thing because it was just kind of a stopgap until he kind of figured out what he wanted to do. That was 14 years ago. He's still there. 14 years in what he knew would be a temporary position because he, he never committed himself to a timeline to walk out of that and into something more fulfilling. And that happens over and over and over again. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very intense about this is a process. We can walk through this and walk you out the other side. And this has to do with people who do have fancy degrees behind their name. You're not trapped. Nobody's trapped. You know what I mean? I hear that hear that a lot. I worked with a, a lady just recently who's a CEO, and I, I was blown away how in my conversation with her, how many times she said, I have no choice. I have no choice. Oh, man. Well, if you have no choice, you've given away control of your life to be that circumstances or other people. You have to acknowledge you do have a choice. Yeah. You do have a choice. You have a choice Monday morning whether to go to that job or not. Now, you may not like the consequences if you don't, so you choose to go, but acknowledge the fact that you make the choice. Nobody's forcing you. You're not trapped. You do have a choice. Well, I'm, I'm so excited for you about this 10-year anniversary edition, and I'm combing through it now. I was very fortunate to receive an advanced copy of that and uh, been just consuming the new stuff that's in there. You mentioned briefly at the beginning of the program that you have some new um, initiatives with 48 Days at this point, you know, in, in the, the life of that book and the life of that work, uh, regards to, you know, local classes and getting it into universities. 
expound on that just to, just for a few minutes and tell us what do you have in mind? What are you dreaming about, thinking about, looking for uh, for 48 days in the next, say, three to five years? Well, because it's been around a while, we, we've gotten an amazing amount of feedback about it and people saying, I wish I would have seen this 20 years ago and how can we get this into the high schools? And, you know, I'm, I'm one guy. I mean, we can't be everywhere, but we're trying to create materials that are easy to duplicate so that they get into some areas that we haven't you know, been present in before. Certainly, we have churches that are waiting to use this as part of their curriculum that's coming up. We have universities that are already using materials. We're going to get them updated materials. And of course, that's an area that I think we will see massive expansion in because there's so much volatility right now in the academic community. I mean, colleges are really on the bubble. And there's too many students coming out and recognizing that they didn't get what they were promised or what they thought they were promised, and they're resentful about that. But what the academic community is really on the bubble right now. We have over a trillion dollars in student loan debt. Much of that is owned by people who will never have the capability of paying back what they owe. It's a really sad, sad situation. I hope we have a voice in that arena. We also have organizations like General Motors, their skill centers, where they're saying we want to make sure that people are properly matched in the positions that we give them. We don't force somebody into doing something that's not a good fit. How can we make that a match? So we're having a lot of pull, a lot of inquiries from other from various areas. So we want to just make the materials easy to use and absorb so somebody can walk through them if they're 14 years old or if they're 84. And we're having a lot of fun doing that, and I'm just thrilled with the opportunities that we're getting. Well, congratulations, of course, on the new release of the 10-year anniversary edition, but really more so, Dan, you, you've made a – you're a very humble individual, and I say that in the most literal sense, uh, but you have made a monumental impact – on the workforce and on the way people think in relationship to their work. And, uh, man, you know, you're leaving a legacy, and I, I'm very grateful to know you but so proud to be associated with what you're doing and the lives that you're changing as a result of just, uh, you know, answering the call to really uh, to put this out there in, in such a excellent fashion. So thank you for that, man. We're so proud of you. Well, thanks, Brian. I, I really appreciate that. As you know, this material started not as – a product that I wanted to sell. It simply grew out of a Sunday school where I was doing it as a volunteer, just trying to serve people well. So the stories in there came from real people going through real transitions. Um, the the business part came much later, but that was its origination. And I hope that my heart for that, for serving people, still shows in what we're doing today. But thank you for that. Of course it does. Well, man, thank you so much for uh, taking of your very precious time to be with me Uh you know, it seems like two or three times a year we get to do this, and I'm so grateful. And uh, before we go, I'd like you just to, in summary, uh, share with our audience, for those that are really at a place of crossroads, they're, they're not satisfied, they're not content, they really want to, to shake things up and find work that is purposeful and profitable and meaningful. What are a couple of things you'd recommend they do as first steps? Sure. One thing is to recognize it's never too late to have a new beginning. Yeah. You know, I hear from 27-year-olds who say, I majored in the wrong thing in college, and they imply that now they're just going to kind of ghost into the grave. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. You aren't even old enough to ask the right questions yet. Value the experience that you've had. Wherever you are chronologically, value the experience you've had, but then be willing to draw a line in the sand and take a fresh look at who am I? 
why am I here? Where am I going? How am I going to get there? And you can do that. Again, 85% of the process is looking inward first. 15% of the application, that frankly is the easy part. The challenging part and the most important part is that looking inward first. Figure out how has God uniquely gifted you and talented you. And from that, then we can create a clear focus. So just be encouraged. The options are limitless out there. If you need to learn a new skill set, yeah, you can do that. But for the most part, it's making yourself a candidate, making yourself somebody wants in their team. You can do that in ways that may not involve getting another degree or spending more time and money uh, accumulating student loan debt. So just be willing to jump in the game and be, co be convinced 48 days really can make a dramatic difference in the direction of your life. Dan, always a privilege to have you, man. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm honored to be your guest, Brian. Thanks, Dan, for that. What an amazing conversation. What a man of sound wisdom. If you'd like to comment on this episode, go to brianholmes.com forward slash 075. And right there in the show notes, you can find out more about Dan. You can certainly visit him at 48days.com, his primary website. If you want to get involved in the community, check out 48days.net. All of that you can find at brianholmes.com forward slash 075. Well, a couple of announcements here. I trust that by now you've checked out our brand new website. We're just adding value to that every single day. Really proud of the work that our team has done there. It's going to be an awesome thing as we add more and more resources uh, for you there to really find your lane and run in it. Also, I want to share with you that uh, next week I'm going to be bringing to you a topic, the if-then principle. Understanding promises, provisions, and formulas that bring about the results in your life. If-then principle. Next week on the program here. Don't miss that. Also, our Monday Mastery Series continues on the battle for the mind. And that's certainly a great resource for you. Well, subscribe to our weekly email updates, if you will, please, if you've not already done that. Subscribe to the podcast in iTunes. And we would love it if you'd rate the podcast and leave us a review. That helps us to be more visible to those that are looking for this kind of content. All that can be done from brianholmes.com. Thanks for joining us. We trust that something we've said today has been a blessing and a challenge to you. And I just want you to go out and become all that God's created you to be. Until next time, God bless. We'll see you back here next week.